Welcome to CDMX Expats. My name's Raquel Ramirez, and I'll be your host. Welcome, welcome to episode two of CDMX Expats. My name is Raquel Ramirez, and I'll be your host all the way from beautiful Mexico City, Mexico. Today, I interview my friend Aloysius Talk, or Al for short, a big city guy who's been in Mexico for about eight months. This week, we talk about Mexican stereotypes, the surprising size of the city, classism, the Condesa experience, and international food. Before we get started, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast for weekly episodes, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Instagram at CDMXExpats. I'm always looking for new guests to come on the show, so shoot me a message if you're interested in telling your Mexico City story. All right, hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome, Al, to CDMX Expats. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right, so first question, who the hell are you? Shoot, who am I? Well, my name's Aloysius Tuck. I am from Chicago originally. Grew up outside of Chicago. Lived there for a good majority of my life. And then I moved to New York. And I've been in Brooklyn for just about a decade now. I work for a big tech company and I sell professional services for a piece of software. Not the most uh, interesting thing in the world, but it gives me the flexibility to be here right now. How long have you been in Mexico? I have been in Mexico in total for a little over a month, I'd say, and then here in Mexico City for about three months. You've been in Mexico City longer than you've been in Mexico? No, no, no. I've been in Mexico for about uh, a little over eight months, and I've been here for about three months. Oh, okay. What brought you to Mexico City? Being from New York, I'm just a bit of a city boy, and I just really missed having the amenities here. And working remotely is a little bit more challenging in other locations, especially beachier locales. You know, the internet is not the strongest. Where were you before Mexico City? I've been all over. Merida, Guadalajara, Puerto Escondido, Oaxaca Juarez, San Cristobal, Tulum. So, yeah, I've been jumping around quite a bit. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. How do you like Mexico City compared to any of those? I would still consider it my favorite place out of all the cities. Yeah, it's just a very metropolitan place. There's so much here to do and to see. So many different types of people that come here. I feel like some of the other smaller places, you tend to get a very specific demographic of people. And it's just kind of nice to have a lot of different viewpoints here in Mexico City. That makes sense. How long do you plan to stay here? Is this just a stop or are you thinking longer term? I mean, I wish I could stay for a very, very long time. Uh, unfortunately, my company's asking that we go back to the office by September. Oh, no. So I will have to leave before then. I applied to be fully remote, so maybe they'll surprise me, and maybe I won't have to leave. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Hopefully, I'm able to figure out a different arrangement mm -hmm. or maybe a different employer, but the goal is to come back early next year and be here permanently. Well... I'm definitely hoping for that. That'd be awesome to keep you here. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Now, I've met so many wonderful people here. Such a network of people in such a short period of time. I, I don't think I've ever had something like this happen before. Really? 
Yeah, I mean, not to the scale. You know, the expat WhatsApp group is like 300 people. I mean, I've never seen anything that large before, so that's just <laughs> a bit mind-blowing to me. Uh, like big city refugees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I didn't even know you could have that many people in a group. <laughs> it's actually 257. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'm getting a bit more selective yeah. now. I'm constantly p kicking people out of, to make space for new people. And now it's gotten to the point where about every three days or so, three, four days, I go in and kick out people who haven't read messages in that long. So. <laughs> Wait, how do you know if they've read messages or not? I can see who has read my messages, uh -huh. like the messages that I've put in the group. Okay. And I can see who they've just been delivered to. Oh. So I take screenshots ah. of the delivered list. And then I go in and cross-reference and I kick people out. If somebody's in a lot of my groups, uh -huh. then I might give them a pass and not kick them out because maybe they just haven't looked at this in a few days, but they're probably still in the city. But if they're just in that group or if they're in that group and a Oaxaca group or that in Sayulita and they haven't read messages in a few days, and uh -huh. they might not be here. So oh. they can message me if they want to get back in. Gotcha. I guess we should probably explain what that is for people who don't know. So I run a group called Big City Refugees that I started back in January because I was here from the Bay Area and I had a bunch of friends, three or four friends from San Francisco. And we met some people from New York and then from LA and then Chicago. So I called this group Big City Refugees because we were all kind of here running away from expensive big cities where you couldn't really do much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why and, I'm here. Uh, yeah, it's just grown organically. And now I think so far I've kicked out over 120 people. So we've had, you know, over 300, 350 people, almost 400 people come through the group since January, which is kind of crazy. That's, yeah, that's tremendous. And now I know your secret criteria to stay in the group, so <laughs> now I know how to game the system. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give you a pass if you don't read messages for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So what have you found most surprising about Mexico City? Um, gosh, so many things. Uh, growing up in Chicago, there's actually a very sizable Mexican population but it's incredibly working class. So a lot of the stereotypes that a lot of Americans might think of, a lot of my perceptions were kind of based in that, based upon the people around me. Uh, so this is, I think, my third or fourth time visiting the city, but I remember the first time I came here, I was just so surprised to see white people. I know it just sounds incredibly <laughs> ignorant, but I didn't realize that there were white Mexicans and, and plenty of them at that. Especially yeah. if you go into certain parts of the city, like if you go into Polanco. And exactly. Yeah. The first time I was here, I was at Teotihuacan taking some acid with my Mexican buddy. <laughs> I was in like a tank top and shorts. It was a long day and we wanted to get a massage. Somewhere in Polanco, we were there maybe on the Tuesday afternoon and people were just walking by in Prada suits and all these designer Birkin bags and whatnot. Yeah. And I just felt like such a poor, wretched person. I'm like, wow, I'm too poor to be in Mexico, apparently. I'm like, we got to get out of here. I think they're going to kick us out for being transient, beggar-looking people. 
So yeah, obviously now I know there's such a wide gamut of incomes and experiences and yeah. ethnicities here. I was totally taken aback. I, I was not expecting that when I first got here at all. Yeah. What did you expect of Mexico City? I was thinking more of a small city. I was thinking more of maybe like a Denver or like a Chicago or something like that, or maybe a San Francisco. I didn't realize what a, a sprawling metropolis it was here. And I didn't realize, I think the only transit system in the Western Hemisphere that's busier than New York City is Mexico City's. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I was like, wow, there's a ton of people here. It's huge traffic. It's a real bitch at times. But I didn't realize just how big and complex it was. Yeah, totally. So what has been your favorite thing about Mexico City? I would say my favorite thing has just been what I was speaking about earlier the diversity of experience here. I really love the architecture. There's you know, so much beautiful modern architecture here that I feel like you don't really see in a lot of U.S. cities. That was really surprising to me. The amount of modern architecture coming from L.A. and then San Francisco. I was used to maybe high rises, but homes look a certain way. Yeah. And they don't change that much. But here, oh my God, I've just been amazed by how many different incredible architects have this in amazing influence on the city. And if you drive around Polanco or Condesa or different places, you'll find incredible houses that look like something you would find in some of the richest parts of California. Other places. I had no idea. I thought it was going to be this corrupt, polluted, second, third world country. And then you get here and it's like Europe. Yeah. It's like it's beautiful. Uh -huh. It's stunning and it's modern and it's... It's great. It is. I never thought of it as a, a top destination for architecture and yeah. uh, not a huge architecture nerd by any means, but uh, definitely one of the most beautiful cities uh, I've seen in that regard. Yeah. And you know what else? I mean, yeah, technically it is a, a third world country, but the vast majority of the world is third world. I'm not even sure how many would be considered first and second. Mexico's still like a top 15 economy in the world. I think third world really doesn't mean as poorly as uh, a lot of people kind of think about in their minds. So, okay. yeah, third world problems. No problem at all. <laughs> You've been in Mexico for eight months now? Yeah, a little over eight. What has been the worst thing? about Mexico and, and then specifically about Me Mexico City. I'll say for maybe Mexico overall, something that I wasn't expecting and I'm not very used to is the pervasiveness of classism here. I don't believe I've even used the term classist or classism ever in my life until I came to Mexico. I'm sure that's a whole complex Pandora's box of uh, social issues and history. But everywhere you go, it's pretty unavoidable. Yeah. I'm sure this exists as well in the United States, but there's two kind of distinct experiences and, and lives and cultures here at times. Ideally, in a perfect world, we're all just kind of on the same level. But as someone just visiting for now, you try to think of this like a homogeneous experience of people. And despite there being so many different indigenous ethnicities and different types of people, I feel like the classism is the thing that seems to be the most noticeable here. And yeah, that's a bit unfortunate. I'm sure uh, people feel the same way here. Yeah. Do you have an example that you can think of where you really noticed it? Yeah, I guess here in Mexico City, being foreign and being an expat, when you're out, you're usually out in the areas or in the places with people of higher means are hanging out. The more kind of blue-collar, working-class people are really 
kind of out of sight. You kind of have to seek them out. And, and granted, a lot of that blame falls on myself by not exploring more and, and, and pushing more and you know seeking those things out. But I didn't realize that that would be something that you would have to look for. Condessa and Rome, you know, the foreigner neighborhoods. Yeah. They're kind of their own bubble. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they are. And, Mexico uh, City is massive. And as a foreigner, I pretty much spend all of my time within a two-mile radius. Uh, like maybe get up to Polanco, Centro, Roma Norte, Condesa. You're right. Personally, I don't really tend to go outside of those areas very much just because it's so easy to stay in these areas. It's so comfortable. Yeah, it's very comfortable. It's incredibly dense with pretty much all the things that you want in life. So you got to kind of push yourself uh, to go to other places. And certainly uh, the traffic doesn't help. It doesn't right. make it the easiest to get from point A to point B. Right. Back in home in New York, there's a huge disparity of wealth as well. But we're just kind of crammed in the same little tiny areas. So, you know, we're all hobnobbing with each other anyways. <laughs> oh, that's kind of specific to Mexico City. They don't seem to have any sort of noise pollution laws here. I feel like such a piece of shit saying this, but every day I probably hear about 10 to 12 different vendors come by my street. I'm working remotely and I'm on video calls and I like to have the windows open and it just drives me crazy. I know they're out there hustling and they're providing a service. You know, microonda, lavador. They're picking up junk. And then one day I'll have junk here too that needs to get picked up. But in the meantime, yeah, they just... They drive me crazy. What neighborhood are you in? Uh, I'm in Condesa, <laughs> of yeah. course, of yeah. course. Foreigner capital. Yeah, there we go. Earlier you said you can find here all the things you might want in life. For you, what do those things include? I've always kind of gravitated towards hipster enclaves, although I'm not really one myself. I don't think I'm cool enough. In Chicago, I was living in Logan Square. Mm -hmm. uh, New York City, I was in the Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn. So I like to be around a lot of coffee shops, restaurants, bars, and especially I want to be around DJs and dancing. I feel like Condessa is a good location for that because everything's like a five or ten minute cab right away. That's cheap a big Uber. part of the reason I'm there. Super cheap Uber. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. In New York, uh, my poor friends, when they come to visit me out in Brooklyn and they got to go back to Manhattan, they'll literally pay like $80 US just to go home one way. And then here, you know, we're paying fractions of that. And yeah, yeah I should walk more. I, I feel terrible and I feel very guilty. <laughs> but when Ubers cost $4 to get across the city, it's just so easy to take them. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's very tempting to be quite lazy here at times. I started trying to ride bikes more often because I would take an Uber to go, you know, five minutes away in Condesa and <laughs> I could get on a bike and it literally is going to take me the same amount of time to yeah. get there because nothing's all that far. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, within these neighborhoods. Oh, for sure. I mean, I took a good Lord. I took a four minute cab ride just to get here because I didn't want to be late. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed when I got inside the Uber. I was just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not a bad person. I just, I'm running late. <laughs> So, Al, what's been your favorite memory so far? Oh, gosh. There's been so many good experiences here in Mexico City in particular or just like in Mexico. Let's start with Mexico City and then if you have another one just in Mexico in general. Let's see. Maybe two months ago, we went out to one of the secret parties as uh, COVID was, 
you know, quite a bit worse at that point. And a bunch of my friends couldn't get into the party because they were wearing shorts and sandals or something. I don't know what they were thinking. So it was just me and my roommate. Uh-huh. And my roommate was really tired. He'd been going out quite a bit. And he's like, I'm sorry, bud, but I got to go. And I was really in the mood to do something. I hadn't done much in a while. And I was, you know, still fairly new to being here. So I was like, ah, screw it. Just stay out and have my own fun and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I met some random people. And then I just followed them the entire night as we hopped from club or party to party, like four to six, maybe seven different places that night, just with complete strangers. Uh, We're pretty close to this day. I still see them fairly often. But yeah, I went from just being very nervous by myself out, just like super self-conscious. And then I just had this crazy night and I saw the sunrise and uh, walked my sweaty ass back home. It was great. (laughs) That's awesome. And that's also pretty impressive that you can find that many parties or events to go to in a night. Yeah, there were a lot. I heard pre-COVID, obviously, things were a bit livelier and there were a bit more options. But I felt like at that point, the people that wanted to be out really wanted to be out. So, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, totally. These guys were kind of professional going out people, if you will. <laughs> so they knew where to go. And I was just astounded. I was like, what? what's going on? Yeah, that's awesome. And what about in Mexico, just in general? There's been so many different experiences. The cities are quite different from each other. But one was going to Veracruz with you. Yeah, never been there before. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was so much fun. But yeah, towards the beginning of my trip, I was going to kind of smaller places, more beach-oriented places. I was backpacking, staying at hostels, meeting a tremendous amount of like-minded people from all these countries and cultures that are far away, and making friends with a ton of people, and having a a very large social circle to be out, you know, having adventures with, and checking out new things, and experiencing life. I think in in general, that's just kind of been the best thing overall here. Yeah. The social life. Yeah, you know, I'm in my mid-30s now. I don't exactly meet 30 new people in a week in my normal day-to-day life. It just doesn't happen back at home. There's a lot going on, but I'm not some uh, young whippersnapper going out to the Lower East Side in Manhattan anymore, so I'm not bombarded by bodies on the regular. So it was kind of cool to kind of be back in the fray again. Yeah. Speaking of which, are you coming out to Tuesday Night Dinner Club today? Today? Oh, gosh. I will not be able to make that today, unfortunately. I'm behind on so much work. Yeah, next week I'll be there. Tuesday night dinner club is one of the weekly events I started hosting here because I was coming from the Bay Area where it was so social and with COVID everything shut down. Then coming out to Mexico, I came here in November and there was just very little to do outside of underground private parties. Uh I just felt this void of events. So then I just started organizing little things here and there, and now I feel like this has been my cheat code. I've surrounded myself with tons of really cool people who then bring other cool people. So I don't even have to go out. I like stay in my own house and people come to me. (laughs) (laughs) And you're right. I mean, it's not unusual to meet 30 new people in a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And so many people are cycling in and out on a weekly basis. It's crazy. 
I mean, you're providing a really good service. I consider myself a, a pretty outgoing person in general, but there's always that anxiety when you move somewhere new. It doesn't matter how charming or funny or cool you might be. You just simply don't know anyone. And uh, starting from square one, it's a daunting position to be in for, for just about anyone. So being able to network and meet people that easily and that quickly it's just been tremendous. It's been, you know, super helpful. And you don't have to have that fear of just like, oh my goodness, um, am I going to have something to do? Am I going to have to eat dinner alone again? Uh, and especially if you're working from here as well, you just yeah. might not have as much time and energy to, to put into going out and uh, socializing and all that. So yeah, it's been great. It's yeah, saved me a lot of work. Yeah, well, awesome. For me, it's hard to go out to a club or a bar and actually make real friends yeah how much can you really connect with people when you're like shouting at them over speakers on the heavy bass right it's just you can only connect so deeply <laughs> yeah absolutely and and i feel like the going out culture here is a, a little bit different i think mexico city is a bit more integrated like whenever we went out in san cristobal in the weekends everything was bottle service oriented and guadalajara was a lot like that as well when everyone's out with a group of their friends at a table and sharing a bottle, it's not exactly easy to meet other people that way. On the stage, bar culture's big where you're just drinking and you're just shoved in a small room together, shoulder to shoulder with other people. Luckily, there's more space here, but it's a bit harder to meet other people. Thank goodness Mexican people are super duper friendly. So it's still good. Is there anything else that you want to mention about Mexico City? Anything else that like, strikes you as cool or fascinating? Something that caught my attention is I didn't realize they would have so much foreign food here. Yeah. And it's good, too. I haven't really met any Japanese people here, but there are a ton of Japanese restaurants, <laughs> and they're not half bad. I'm a bit of a Japanese food snob. I've been there like six or seven times or something. I was really surprised. There's a lot of good ethnic food here. And obviously Mexican food's amazing as well. If you're a foreign person moving here, like obviously you're going to miss some non-Mexican food and they got a ton of options. That's been great. That was a, such a wonderful surprise. I keep saying to my friends who don't know much about Mexico City, like Mexico City is probably dollar for dollar the best foodie city in the world because you get restaurants that are the same quality as the top places you're going to find in San Francisco or New York or even Paris. They're like a fraction of the price. You can go out and get an incredible omakase meal that's Michelin star equivalent. And you're maybe going to pay $100 with drinks. It's kind of amazing. You can go out to an average restaurant in San Francisco and pay that much. It's so easy to blow money like that anywhere else. But here, if you pay $100, you're going to get a borderline life-changing dinner. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember the last time I spent $100 on food when I went out. At most, I'll spend like 20 to 30 It's great. Yeah. I'm used to like 9 to $15 sandwiches back at home. I think I gained some weight here, so. Word to the wise at the gym. Find a good gym. Yeah. There's a lot of good gyms here, too, also. There's a ton, especially in these neighborhoods with uh, folks like us, you know. Yeah. Got to get our reps in, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Al, thank you so much for coming on and being an early guest <laughs> on CDMX Expats.
Thank you so much for having me. Very honored to be on your show. The next time, well, if we can get you on again. Next time, my plan is to have mezcal and or tequila on hand. That'll be next episode kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you, drunk gal is fun out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah, I guess that's a wrap. Awesome. Thank cool. you. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of CDMX Expats. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with anyone you know who might be surprised to learn more about Mexico City. Again, my name is Raquel Ramirez, and I can't wait to share more about this magical city with you. Till next time, toodle